This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. When you have to get your message out and make it effective, you need the Chambers Group, family-owned since 1990. We can handle all of your printing needs from direct mail, brochures, posters, and banners. If you can read it, we can print it. Free pickup and delivery, and everything's done on time and on budget. Contact Chambers Printing today and get 10% off your first order. Just email us at radio at chambersprinting.com. That's radio at chambersprinting.com. It's more than just printing. It's Chambers Printing. Nothing more surely provokes optimism about the future than a high school graduation. College commencements are generally on a far larger scale and often somewhat impersonal. Earlier graduations for middle, elementary, and preschools tend to be more regimented. While secondary school graduates possess the intellectual sophistication and maturity to explain in their own voices the significance of the past four years. Emotions run high as students prepare to leave classmates they have known at least that long, some transitioning away from sustaining daily relationships that began at the age of four. This is Brother James Butler, president of LaSalle College High School. Here at LaSalle, we were fortunate enough to select the perfect day for commencement exercises. The Wednesday prior to Memorial Day would have seen many guests suffer from temperatures in the 90s and high humidity. The rain that began that Friday made outdoor celebrations impossible. But Thursday was picture perfect, literally. The prior night storms damaged nothing, while azure skies and comfortable temperatures in the mid-70s provided a spectacular backdrop. Loosened restrictions outdoors allowed grandparents or siblings to double the attendees supporting each individual graduate from what last year's midsummer ceremonies for half the class at a time had permitted. The mood of this year's commencement mirrored that of the 50 days long feast the church just celebrated. Undeniably, resurrection and new life were in the air. Fist pumps and elbow bumps gave way to embraces and smiles that vaccinated graduates gave and returned for the first time since the winter of 2020. Yet the graduation celebrations unfolding throughout the Delaware Valley this month point to another reality, that of this weekend's feast, Corpus Christi. Gathered again is the body of Christ, wounded but not weakened, broken and fragmented, but still paradoxically one, precisely by reason of being shared. In his meditation for this great feast, John Baptist de La Salle comments, it is no doubt a great honor for us that God desires so much to dwell with us continually and make himself tangible to us. May he ever be so for the class of 2021. Jacob Media Partners invites you to spend an hour of your day celebrating your faith. We acquire a fundamental right that can never be taken away from us. The right to hope. In collaboration with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley, including LaSalle University, First Trust Bank, and todayisagoodday.org. Learn from your leaders. Be inspired by your neighbors and find the power of grace in your life when you need it most. The spiritual voices of faith begins 
right now. Welcome in, everyone, to Voices of Faith as we kick off the month of June here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, along with my partner, uh, Jimmy Brown. And as the world, Jimmy Brown, comes back to reality, we get a chance to go on the road, and I'll let the audience know right up front, we've got a great hour to kick off what is officially the first show, Jimmy Brown, of year number two. Yeah, Joe, it's uh, it, th- this whole process has been... Uh, miraculous is the right word for me in my head. Um, last month, uh, you know, uh, on on Mother's Day, we we featured uh, uh, a young mom fighting the good fight in in uh, in an amazing way. And I always I was thinking to myself, how are we going to finish the, or how are we going to follow up that particular that particular event? And I think we've uh, come to another phenomenal space. You know, with today is a good day, a a, a brilliant nonprofit um, led by a couple of um, just hardworking, inspirational folks. We'll do our very best over the next 60 minutes to give you a good understanding of today is a good day as we begin year number two, also kicking off year number two uh, during every Voices of Faith now, Jimmy Brown, throughout this hour and all future hours, we will begin to remember uh, those fallen heroes and those fallen police officers killed in the line of duty. So all of the names uh, reference throughout this show uh, by audio recording uh, will be from officers that lost their lives serving our country in what is the month of June. So we have that as well. It's, it's uh, again, Joe, I mean, who could have planned what has uh, transpired with the program? You know, the whole concept of servant leadership, and I don't care if you're the president of the bank or someone who just began their career at the bank, um, figuring their way out. I would say that is the common theme. This is Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Set the table for the listening audience. Today is a good day. Tell us about it. Well, Joe, as I mentioned to you, um, the the leadership of the organization is just phenomenal because um, I've, in my career, in my life, have crossed paths with many people that know how to talk the talk, but how do they walk the walk? And um, uh, Martha and Paul Sharkey are the, 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 the team that brings this thing to life, let's say. And uh, Joe, you know, it wasn't something they experienced from a distance. Today is a good day is all about being challenged with adversity. And the question in, 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 in the real world is, what are you going to do when you get served those lemons? This is Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's edition of Voices of Faith, presented in part by LaSalle University, The Gibnish Funeral Homes, American Media, 6ABC, and First Trust Bank. The Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia is your go-to resource for Catholic philanthropy, an independent nonprofit working to grow philanthropy according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Their foundation is grounded in the principles of faith and service. CFGP meets the diverse needs of donors and Catholic institutions alike by providing a full range of expert fund management, fundraising, and development services that help secure bright futures for the Catholic ministries you care about. Steward your philanthropy 
philanthropy as you intend or raise the funds needed to help your ministry grow and thrive. Both services work together to secure a future for faith. And that future starts with you. The Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia will help you fulfill your charitable purpose because at the heart of charity is love. Learn more about how the Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia can guide you. Visit thecfgp.org or call 215-587-5650. You've heard of the Police Athletic League, I'm sure. If not, visit phillypal.org. You'll be amazed at what you learn. Did you know PAL officers have been doing this for 73 years? Did you know that all PAL programs are fun, safe, and free and serve Philadelphia's youth ages 6 to 18? Perhaps you didn't know that PAL works best after school and during summertime hours. Did you know? Visit phillypal.org. BillyPal.org. Voices of Faith celebrate a real bright spot in our Archdiocese, Mother of Mercy House in Kensington. Inspired by Pope Francis's call to take the church to the frontiers and to move beyond our comfort zones, the ministry began with a simple desire to be the presence of Christ and His church. Many families they serve live in deep poverty. The homeless and addicted are at their doorstep. Father Leah Murphy and team work daily to meet people where they are in their lives. They feed the hungry, talk and pray with those who seek comfort and celebrate Mass as a community. They share the love and mercy of God with all. In 2021, Mercy Children's Academy, a highly specialized family-centric pre-K program will launch to serve the most vulnerable children in their neighborhood. They welcome your prayers and support in this effort. In a world full of noise, one beautiful thing remains constant. God's love. It's powerful and lives at Mother of Mercy House. To learn more, volunteer, or make a donation, please visit them on Online at motherofmercyhouse.org. That's motherofmercyhouse.org. And back here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We kick off year number two. What a ride it has been so far, Jimmy Brown. The first 12 chapters of Voices of Faith have been incredible. We kick off with what is chapter 13, and it should be spectacular today. Well, as you know, Joe, many folks feel like uh, number 13 is the unlucky number. Guess what I think? Uh, I think we're sitting in a piece of heaven here today. We are at um, today's a good day world headquarters in uh, Flower Town, Pennsylvania with um, two of the servant leaders that, that I'm proud to call friends. Uh, welcome, Mark, Martha and, and Paul. We're excited to be with you guys this afternoon. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. It, it's funny. Um, uh, before we jump into like a, a long piece of conversation, can one of you, maybe Martha, if you could just give our, our listeners um, an insight into today is a good day. What's that all about? What's the, what's the meaning behind that phraseology? Sure. Well, Paul and I founded to good to, today is a good day following the arrival of our identical twin girls at just 23 weeks and five days back in 2010. Our daughter Mary was only with us two weeks before earning her wings, and our daughter Claire spent 103 days in the hospital at Abington. Mm. When we were in the hospital during that extended stay, we recognized a real gap in care for parents and families trying to navigate the NICU journey. And we always knew that we would want to give back after Claire graduated and we were able to take her home with us. And that's where the whole idea of today is a good day came from. We were thrilled to officially found today is a good day in 2014. And the name certainly has special meaning. For us, at the beginning of our daughter's journeys, 
there were a lot of bad days, a mm. lot of bad moments, difficult times, difficult conversations. But we always rejoiced when the doctors and nurses would say to us, today is a good day for Claire or today is a good day for Mary at the beginning. And when those good days outweighed the bad days, our daughter Claire came home with us. Wow. Wow. What a, what a great frame for, for all of us to kind of enjoy and reflect on in terms of the conversation we're going to follow up with. Paul, tell us a little bit about November 14th, the day the, the twins were born. And, you know, new dad, um, holy smokes, the joy of driving to the hospital and saying, here we go. It's This is amazing. Talk right. to us a little bit about those, those moments, let's say. Sure. Uh, Jim, it was, whenever you're find out you're pregnant and can I start a family? It, it's just such a blessing, uh, from the Lord. And you're so excited. Uh, for us, it was a little bit different because Martha ended up going into the hospital five days before on bed rest. And she just didn't feel right. She went to Abington just to get checked out. And they told us on that day, you're not leaving here until the girls are born. So we thought, okay, well, the girls are due in March. We better get ready to have Thanksgiving in the hospital, Christmas in the hospital, Valentine's Day in the hospital, right? We, we were preparing for all those things. And the doctor said, yep, yep, then plan for that, plan for that. But they said, remember, every minute that these babies are able to stay in Martha is, is a blessing. It's a, you know, we're, we're looking at minutes and hours and days here. Let's not even think about months. And they were right, because five days into that hospital stay, we were actually in the hospital. Uh, Martha was knowing that she was going into labor, and then every, all of a sudden, everybody rushed in to action. I've never seen a medical team work so quickly. Doctors are putting on scrubs. They're putting me into scrubs. They're rushing Martha down the hallway in her hospital bed, trying to hold the babies in. It was, it was that... Uh, intense. And because they had to do an emergency C-section with her, uh, I was left outside. You know, most dads are able to be in the room for the birth of their children. They had to do emergency surgery for Martha. So I ended up in a hallway and, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. Cause all I could see was these bright overhead hospital lights, shiny white floor, white walls, everything was white whitewashed. And I'm there with just a lone chair in the hallway. And I just got down on my knees and I just prayed, 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 uh, probably as hard as I've ever had prayed up to in, in that point in my life and just asked for God's grace and his blessing. And really most importantly to take care of Martha, mm. right? We, we were worried about Martha's health and her ability to live through it. And then of course, praying for the girls. And I will say God sends earth angels to us. There was a, a nurse who was with us the day we went into the hospital, nurse Kathy, mm -hmm. who took care of us uh, in triage. And she happened to be there that day that Martha gave birth. And I'll never forget. She picked me up off the floor from my knees and said, you can come in and see your babies now. And she led me into the, uh, into the operating room. And there I saw my, my twin girls, one who was 1.2 pounds, mm. one who was 1.4 pounds wrapped in basically tinfoil, trying to keep them warm. And the doctors were working on top of them. So it was a very traumatic experience. Not what I was expecting when you kind of watch the TV shows of, uh, of what 
birth looks like yeah, or what you think in your head. It's it's wild. And 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 let's let's go to the other side yeah. of the coin for a minute here. Um, Martha, uh, tell tell our listeners uh, um, about uh, the miracle of Claire. Just describe that that uh, that little angel. Well, I'll tell you, when we were in the NICU, we truly did not know what to expect. We were launched into the overwhelming, isolating, unknown world of the neonatal intensive care unit. We knew no one in our network who had experienced the NICU Mm -hmm. or what that could be like. For our daughters, Mary was... had had become pretty sick fairly quickly after she was born. Claire, who was our weaker twin at birth, she was a pound two, as Paul shared, dropped to 15 ounces. She had significant brain bleeds. We were told on day three of life that there was high probability that she may not be able to walk or talk or what her future would look like. And I'll never forget as we traveled through our NICU experience, we became very good friends with the neonatologists who were there and many of the nurses. And the one day, we didn't know if any of Claire's movements were actually intentional, if it was all reflex that she was moving around in her isolate. And I'll never forget, I looked at one of the neonatologists and said, what is she going to be able to do? What does her future look like? Because we truly didn't know. Mm. And I'll never forget, he looked at me in such a serious way, and he's just a wonderful friend of ours. And he said, well, Martha, she's going to be the best Claire that she can be. Uh And I would say to this day, that is the motto that we use for our miracle. Well, it's interesting. I saw Paul speak at the University of Penn um, a few years back, and it was so moving because uh, in that space, he had the... um, he had the advantage of, of, of audio and video. And um, wow, um, do you recall, Paul, yeah. when you flashed the, uh, the picture of Claire getting off the bus, holy smokes. Talk about that moment in that, um, in, that, in that delivery speech that you gave. I thought it was pretty powerful. We see that every day, don't we? Every time we look at Claire. <laughs> yeah, so, so what Jim's referencing is we were able to, uh, to show the audience at the University of Pennsylvania a picture of Claire when she was about 15 ounces. And it, it's, it's a jarring photo. I mean, most babies do not look the way Claire looked or the way her sister Mary looked at birth. And when you see that photo, you don't think you're going to get to that point in your journey of her coming off the school bus at the end of the school year with her uh, baby sister, right? It's it's a, an incredible juxtaposition, as you said, Jim. And what we would say is just, you know, how, how blessed and fortunate we are uh, that, that we do have that miracle with us every day. Martha, how uh, challenging was it for you when nobody was in the room? And the doctors were not present, and perhaps your husband was there, Paul was there, maybe not. How tough was that for you? I will tell you, it was very difficult for us. And Paul and I had a lot of conversations. Obviously, we we have a very strong foundation in faith. And after the girls were born, we had a lot of difficult conversations together to decide what the answers should be to the questions we were being asked. Parents have to answer a lot of difficult questions and make many difficult decisions in the care of their children, especially being born so prematurely. And we'll never forget, we actually called um, a former pastor of mine from Lancaster growing up in Lancaster County. 
And we told him this. We said, you know, we're really struggling with how we make the best decisions that we can to help Claire and Mary. And he said, you can only make the best decisions you can based upon the information that you have. And I would say that that is what we always went back to every time we were uh, presented with a question or a decision that we had to make. We cried a lot. Mm. We had to figure out what we were praying for, I would say, as, as a family that prayed quite a bit. People would say, well, what do you want us to pray for? What, what prayer do you want put onto this list? That's a really hard question to answer when you were in the situation we were in the NICU. Because it, was it, we're praying for Claire to get better or Mary to get better? What does better look like, right? And so I think for us, we came back to, we're praying that God's will be done with both Claire and Mary, and that we would work through whatever that plan and whatever that path would be for our family. One quick follow-up to that. Is there a decision that you made that you now think was wrong? Uh, I would say no, because we trusted in what the doctors shared with us. And when you have such premature babies like ours, the doctors shared with us at the beginning, a lot of times the babies will decide for themselves. And in our family's case, that is what happened. And so we made the best choices that we could. We supported the girls the best that we could. And we feel very blessed that we were able to come home with Claire because we didn't know that if that was going to be the plan or not. You know, it's really interesting as I listen to the conversation. I reflect back, uh, Paul, on what I gathered from our last interview with our former guests. And that young mom talked about the fact that life is really good, but suffering's part of life. And she said she was going to focus on the things she could change or control. And lastly, Paul, and this is my question, she also said that she asked herself every day, is what I'm doing today going to help or hurt the situation? Frankly, it feels like you guys instinctively found a good path. Talk a little about talk a little bit about asking yourself the question, is what I'm doing today going to help the family? Or hurt the family, please. Yeah, thank you, Jim. I feel like every day I wake up and and ask that question to myself. And and during that time in the NICU, we we definitely had those questions. And what we tried to do every day was put Claire and Mary first. So for us, that was getting up at four or four thirty in the morning. Uh, we were the only parents in the NICU that would get to the NICU at 5 or 5.30, and Martha's smiling because she knows I'm not a morning person. <laughs> but we would get up at 4.30, we'd get dressed for work, we'd get showered, and we'd be there for Claire at 5, 5.30 in the morning before they'd kick us out at 7 for change of shift for the nurses. And we'll never forget, one of the neonatologists came down one morning, she was spending the night there, and her hair's all over the place, and she came down and she said, you know, if the Sharkies are here, I can be here. <laughs> and so, I love it. Yeah. This is Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Please use theater of the mind as we take a slight pause uh, with Martha and Paul. Feel the strength of this couple. Back in a moment. Voices of Faith takes time out to remember those Philadelphia police officers lost in the line of duty during the month of June, dating all the way back to the 1900s. 
Officer Dennis Sullivan, June 14, 1870. Policeman Frank Slaymaker, June 6, 1906. Policeman Thomas Dowling, June 26, 1912. Officer John Creevy, June 9, 1925. Officer Elmer Patterson, June 6, 1931. Captain Harry Price, June 20, 1931. Patrolman Nolan Tipton, June 25, 1932. Detective Lewis Moore, June 16, 1933. Captain Hugh McCann, June 13, 1941. Officer Wallace B. Chapman, June 13, 1948. Officer James Kane, June 5, 1959. And welcome back, everyone, to Voices of Faith as we come to you here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we look ahead uh, towards the second part of the show. Archbishop Nelson Perez will sit down and go one-on-one with Jim Brown. Dan Selecki will be along with his uh, inspirational moment. But until we get there, um, we continue on today, Jimmy Brown. Today is a good day. Boy, it sure is, Joe. What a blessing. Um, listen, just to pick up where we where we left off, it, you know, this is all new to you guys as parents, but it appears to me that the hospital, as prepared as they are for certain elements around the challenges, there are some gaps. One of the words we used earlier was the gaps. What I love about the way you guys addressed the circumstance was you, you faced a challenge, you took some action, and you had an impact. And I think those are the building blocks that have created this fantastic nonprofit. Can you talk about those three words, challenge, action, impact, Martha? Sure. When we looked at the challenge, I mean, w- one of the inspirations for creating Today is a Good Day, one week into our NICU stay, we met a little boy who was three years old. He was a former 23-weeker. The nurses encouraged us to attend a pizza lunch with his mother in the conference room outside the NICU. We went. Both girls were still with us at the time. And here's this little boy who had a similar prognosis to Claire playing on his mother's iPhone. Mm. And Sam Muscatello gave us so much hope and inspiration that even one week later when Mary passed away, Paul and I would look at each other almost on a daily basis and we would say, Sam Muscatello was successful, Claire can be successful. We had another three months in the NICU and didn't have another touch point with parents other than parents we met ourselves. And so that was really the inspiration. And I tell Sam's mother all the time that you inspired us because meeting Sam helped us through some really difficult days. Mm. And we started taking Claire back when she was 18 months old so that other families could see a 15 ounce surviving twin, 23 weeker Mm. who was hitting a milestone of walking for the first time. So when we saw the challenge, it was what we experienced of feeling as though we weren't connected with other parents, other than parents we met ourselves, giving that, um, trying to help fill that gap with 
fostering that connection with providing items for families so that they could feel connected with others and that they weren't going through it alone and uh, trying to figure out how we get there. And I'll tell you with today's a good day, we started with care packages for families, with taking Claire back and getting another team of volunteers, but it was actually a, a wonderful conversation that we had with Dr. Cleary, who was one of our neonatologists at the time, who said, it's really great all that you're doing with the care packages, with the conversations with parents, but that financial need is so great for so many families. How can you help fill that gap? For families. And so we launched our direct financial support program. Well, it's interesting. You reference um, Dr. Jerry Cleary. It's so amazing. We're in the middle of, let's say, basketball playoffs right now. And everybody thinks the superstar is Joel Embiid. And God bless Joel. You know, I hope he recovers and everything's wonderful. When I reflect on a guy like Jerry Cleary, oh my goodness gracious. Paul, can, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about Dr. Cleary? Uh, Dr. Cleary is an incredible person, and he is, uh, in those dark days in the NICU, he is the rainbow. He is the light in the darkness. Uh, and, you know, some people say he's kind of like your lucky leprechaun coming around. He is, he's just so full of hope and so full of joy. And talk about a person that lives his faith, that is positive, and just it exudes. He doesn't have to say it. It just kind of radiates off of him. And whenever we were having a difficult time, Dr. Dr. Cleary was there. And what I would say is really poignant. We didn't touch on the fact that after Claire and Mary were born, uh, we went on, Martha had a full-term baby, our daughter, Martha Rose in 2015. Uh, but then we found out we were pregnant again in 2018 with a son, I was very hopeful to have some more men in the house <laughs> surrounded by all these beautiful women. And unfortunately, uh, William in utero was diagnosed with a, a devastating prognosis of trisomy 18. And we knew that we would not have him very long uh, after birth, if at all. Uh, and we were very fortunate. We had him for 91 minutes. Uh, our pastor, Father Bob Bizzoli from OMC, was there, baptized William during that time, he got to spend time with his sisters. Uh, but it, as you can imagine, with, with another death of a, of a child, of a baby, it's very lonely, it's very isolating, and not many people came to visit us at Abington. So usually after uh, the birth of a baby, people are you know, flooding the hospital room, you're getting flowers and all these things. And it was, it was very quiet, it was very lonely, it was a great time for Martha and me to reflect and spend time together. You know who was there? Dr. Jerry Cleary. He came in, he held William after he passed, uh, and he's just, he's one of our favorites. Paul, how do you do it? How do you sit here today having the experience that you guys have had uh, and remain composed, um, fueled by faith, uh, and able to carry on? How do you do it, sir? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, for us, I think, you know, we know that suffering is part of life and that uh, God gives us different different tests. Uh, but as a proud LaSalle high alum, uh, one of the things we always say is St. John Baptist de LaSalle, pray for us, live Jesus in our hearts forever. And what I would say is I think Jesus lives in our hearts where we have been sustained by him, by our faith, by our families. And we know that there is work to be done. Uh, we, we are really others focused. Uh, going back to LaSalle, it says enter to learn, leave, leave to serve. That's what Martha and I are trying to do. 
Uh, we have two beautiful daughters at home that depend on us, and we have a whole network of uh, Today is a Good Day families uh, that we've been able to impact and many more to come, unfortunately, right? There's no cure right now for premature birth and families that will experience the neonatal intensive care unit. So we want to be there and be that resource for them. Um, Martha, just to give our listening audience Again, a different perspective. Um, talk about the family brunch celebration and the parade of kids <laughs> from literally two weeks old to, you know, 15 years old. Talk about that. I know you experienced this, Jim. I loved it. Loved having you. you at the family brunch. We host an annual Today is a Good Day Family Brunch. This is an event that Paul and I had thought about many years ago, and we wanted to figure out a way to give some awards, bring families together who experience the NICU, who are friends of those who have experienced the NICU. So we started hosting the family brunch several years ago, and a big part of the family brunch is the Miracle March, which is one of my favorite aspects of the brunch. What we do is bring together, we have about 400 or so people, and we have about 100 kids who attend this event. We bring together all the NICU miracles. They carry the sign of the week that they are born, and we line them up, and they walk through the crowd of attendees so they can see what week these children were born, what miracles they are, and we finish up. Usually, Claire brings up the tail end as the 23-weeker, who's now 10 years old, and she comes right up to the front to welcome everybody. It's beautiful. I think the only thing we could do this coming year to kind of put a little icing on the cake is maybe have me sing God Bless America at the end of the parade. I, I think that'd be a great addition, Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'd have to get Joe Krause's approval, but that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Um, talk about the concept of community, Paul, and what you guys have created. The, the, the sense of communities is family beyond family. It's the people and places that we see and those we touch every day. Talk about that for a moment. Yeah, so co community for us has really taken on a new and varied meaning, especially uh, during the pandemic. And our community that was very strong at these in-person events like the family brunch, uh, our annual Pints for Premies fundraiser, the golf outing, these things that are, are all fantastic that bring that community together to be in person went away mm -hmm. uh, in terms of COVID. We all know that we couldn't get together. So we took that community and we were able to, to make it a virtual family, a virtual uh, community to support each other. So we switched a number of our programs and services from in-person to virtual. Uh, Martha has hosted as a, as, and a number of our volunteers have hosted uh, virtual coffee hours with our current NICU families, coffee and conversation, just to make sure we're providing support for that community, which has become even more isolated during COVID because of the visitation restrictions at hospitals and others. Uh, the, the feelings of isolations are even that much greater than what they used to be. So the, the need for our, our programs, our services, and that community that we've created uh, all the more important in 2020 and 2021. I also have to add that Paul, during COVID, also launched a new NICU Dads group along with one of our other wonderful volunteers. And we're, uh, we're getting that going. 100%. Yeah, because there, there isn't a ton of space, I'd say, for dads 
to kind of share what their experience has been, what they're going through. I think moms feel more comfortable uh, doing that. So this has been a great, great space to create that for men. And, and, and Paul, before you showed up uh, this afternoon, I want you to know that um, I did hear from Dan Selecki that um, uh, Dr. Jerry delivered another little beautiful ah. preemie um, uh, just yesterday for the Cleary family, Quinn, uh, uh, Quinn, his little niece, uh, not little, she's a, a mom, but more good news. Yeah. Talk about the, uh, Martha, please talk about the remembrance service, the interfaith, because, because in the spirit of Jesus, you know, Hey, listen, you, 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 you're, everybody's welcome to the family. So speak of that for a moment. Cause I think that's a really nice dynamic that you guys bring to the program. This is a really special program for our family. This is something that we had talked about many years ago and wanted to make happen. We have hosted two remembrance services. I'm excited to share we're hosting our third. It will be an annual event in partnership with Simon's Heart and Noel's Light on Tuesday, August 10th at 7 p.m. at Waterworks in Philadelphia. Is the public welcome to that? Yes. And how yes. would they how would they go about registering for that? Yes, please? we have all of the information for the Greater Philadelphia Interfaith Remembrance Service on our website at todayisagoodday.org. And the goal of this service was really to bring together different faiths to celebrate and remember those children lost too soon. So this service is for pregnancy, infant, and child loss, and those children may be adults when they were lost, or um, pregnancies that did not go to full term. So we really encourage all to participate in this program. There is a form on our website to fill out if you have a child's to be remembered, that you can share their name with us. We light candles. We read their names. There will be an opportunity for families to share letters. And we have uh, Father Frank Danielski, formerly of LaSalle, now at Dalesford Abbey. He will be participating. He's been with us from the beginning. We have Medea Irfan from the Muslim Society of Delaware Valley. We have Rabbi Danielle Parmeter from Tiferet Bet Israel who will be joining us. So we have a wonderful group of religious leaders who will be joining us to help with this service. And one of our Today is a Good Day volunteers, Amy Myers, who will be singing. Last question for you before we... Um move into the break. If given the ability to rewrite history mm. and go back in time, would you change today what you know now? Oh, I'll go first. That's a good, that's a good question. I'll go first. And thank you for asking. Not many people ask us that question. So that's why I think it's giving us a moment of pause. And I would say no. For me, uh, we've always heard special kids for special parents, and uh, we have very special kids, Mary and William in heaven and Martha Rose and Claire here on earth with us. And I don't know, Joe, if we'd be doing the work that we're doing today, which I do believe there's a purpose for each of our lives. I think this was our purpose. I think that we've gone through some of the trials and tribulations to get us to this point to help other people. So if, if, if we could rewrite history, I wouldn't because I think it, today is a good day might not exist. No, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Paul, that it wouldn't exist. Um, 
most likely. I, I think that all of us have a path through life, and I do think that this is our path in uh, trying to give back to experience the hills and valleys that we have. And I think it's made us stronger. I think these situations can make or break a, a couple in some ways. And for Paul and me, having the strong foundation that we do, I think it's made us stronger. I think our daughters have had to go through a lot of things that other kids don't necessarily have to go through. But one of Claire's teachers has shared with us, I've never met a more empathetic child than I have in meeting Claire. And so I think those lessons of empathy and caring and thinking of others are something that we're trying to pass on to our kids as well. Jimmy Brown, 30 seconds. Well, it's interesting, uh, Joe. Uh, I... Uh, I got a little bit of a correspondence from a couple of associates, um, you know, uh, this morning via email and text, Mike Troy, uh, Bill Daggett, and Dan Tropiano. And um, the message, Joe, was, hey, that's really great that you're going to talk with uh, the Sharkies and, and the wonderful work they're doing. And, Joe, you know, I told each one of those human beings, I thought it was an honor and a privilege. And I'll turn to you guys. Wow, what an afternoon. It's just, uh, it's incredibly inspiring. Thank you for your time. As you Thank go you. through the week, as you go through life, remember their name, Martha and Paul. Today is a good day. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to Voices of Faith. Voices of Faith would like to thank Mike Cleary of TAC Benefits, Linda Rosanio on behalf of Philly Food Rescue, Mike Troy of KTB Benefits, Dr. Jerry Cleary of True North Pediatrics, and our good friends, Angelo Valletta and Eustace Mita. These are not typical or standard times, and the TAC Benefits Organization is not your typical or standard business firm. The company is owned and operated by Michael Cleary, and Michael and his team are not your standard check-the-box, put-in-your-time-and-go-home kind of people. Here's the thing. A different approach creates better outcomes for TAC clients. In fact, as we face some incredible challenges in our world today, TAC has decided to do something incredibly different, the Hometown Heroes Program, for recognition of people doing little things to make a big difference. Keep doing what you do best every Every day, because the folks at TAC want to celebrate you. Attention business owners, our benefits cost rising, our co-pays and deductibles increasing each year. Do you truly have a consultative partner you can trust to show you the most creative innovations and in benefits? Make 2021 the year you meet Mike Troy of Kistler Tiffany Benefits. Let your company experience the power generated by Kistler Tiffany Benefits, a one digital company. Email Mike at ktbenefits.com or call him at 484-321-5868. Kistler Tiffany, the trusted consultative benefits partner for over 50 years. Email Mike at ktbenefits.com. Voices of Faith takes time out to remember those Philadelphia police officers lost in the line of duty during the month of June, dating all the way back to the 1900s. Officer Leo Van Winkle, June 27th, 1972. Lieutenant Walter Swajikowski, June 27, 1976. Officer Stephen Salka, June 18, 1983. Officer Daniel Gleason, June 5, 1986. Detective Gerard Trainer, June 21, 1987. Officer Winfred Hunter, June 4, 1990. Police Officer Joaquin Monjito, June 14, 
1990. Officer Robert Hayes, June 17, 1993. Officer Pauline Harness, June 26, 1996. Officer Paris Williams, June 21, 2005. Police Officer Walter DeWitt, June 5, 2015. Officer Jose Novella, June 3rd, 2020. And back here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's that time in the program, Jimmy Brown. Jimmy Brown goes one-on-one with Archbishop Perez. Jimmy, all yours, sir. Oh, well, thank you, Joe. Um, and good afternoon. Good afternoon, Archbishop. Thank you, um, Jimmy. Boy, oh boy, uh, here we are um, in the month of June celebrating, um, you know, lots of graduations. And I vividly recall earlier in the year, lots of trepidation. What are we going to do? Schools, oh my gosh, what, how are we opening? Are we going to be safe and so forth and so on? I know there's three categories that, that you have in the past always focused on in terms of thank you. Students, uh, the teachers, the administrators, and the uh, uh the the the, school, uh, the student families, but let's start with the teachers and administrators. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of your 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 reflection on what was accomplished this year. Well, they they hit it out of the park. You know, no one could. Uh, the Catholic school teachers and administrators, um, especially in Philadelphia, made national news. Yes, they made national news for their incredible incredible work. You know. Uh, there, there was no script for this, you know. There's no plan, right? And uh, and they were up and running within just like maybe a day or two. Yeah, they were up and running virtually when other uh, public systems were still lagging and are still lagging as we speak. Amen. You know, uh, so we have to be really proud of our teachers and administrators because it was uncharted uh, territory, right? Mm-hmm. And they had to figure it out, and they did. And they didn't skip a beat, and they continued to teach. They continued to accompany their students. It was just amazing to see them, and we're very proud of them. No doubt, no doubt. And, and Archbishop, do you think that because our teachers and administrators are so focused on mission, can you talk about mission? In other words, going to a job and not worry only about the income, but the mission of the work. Can you talk a little bit about those teachers? Well, cer- certainly, you know, those in Catholic education don't do it for the income. Right. Because they could actually make more money in other places. So uh, they really do it out of out of a call to teach in a Catholic environment, Mm -hmm. out of mission. Uh, They certainly don't do it because our salaries are high. Um, So that's why the Catholic school teacher and administrator, they're really a special breed because the um, it's not that they're not becoming rich in this world. And. and they are talented, educated people that could certainly uh, make better money in other in other contexts. But they choose; it's their choice uh, to teach in our Catholic schools. So we love them, and we care for them, and we're grateful no uh, for what they do. It's funny the opening segment of last month's show, which was phenomenal, was done by uh, Brother James at LaSalle um, LaSalle High School. I had never, as a young student or even college grad 
really understood the power and authority of the Christian brothers. Yeah. He opened a little bit with, you know, the mission of his work and the Christian brothers imprint that um, that is on his soul. Right. You have an affinity for LaSalle sure, University. LaSalle taught there, yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about the Christian brothers. Educate our, our, um, our people about Well, the Christian brothers founded by St. John the Baptist of LaSalle uh, was and educators, right? But in particular, they wanted to educate the poor. That was their original charism and, and those that struggled. And in many ways, LaSalle University remained in the city and in the part of the city where they are out of a real sense of a call and mission uh, to city folks, you know. And, and uh, so I was proud to be part of that uh, teaching community there for 11 years. They they continued to reach out to, to our city folks as well as others. Uh, but they could have moved to other areas at one point in their in their journey in their history, but they made a missionary decision to stay right where they are, and then confront the challenges that they have to confront and deal with them. Uh, but that that is that's the Christian brothers, right? Right. That's what they were founded for. It is interesting because we're talking about teachers and administrators in terms of celebrating those folks. Uh, I would submit to you and, and, and anyone who wants to have an intelligent conversation, that location is part of their classroom. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Talk a little bit about, you know, in your mind, uh, the students now, you know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about the teachers and the administrators. Let's focus on the students for a moment. You know, juniors, seniors in high school pandemic. What the heck's going on? How do I figure this out? I know that you've been very um, open to congratulate those folks, young folks. You know, our seniors went through a tough time, right? Juniors, no proms, you know, during the pandemic and sports and, being and sports their sport programs had to be uh, postponed and in many cases even canceled uh so and, and you know they again they rose to the occasion yeah. right and it wasn't easy for them because you know part of the educational process is not just the content of their academics and their books is also the social interaction with their friends and now they found themselves kind of isolated right yeah the community They're, was kind of disjointed it was kind of hard for them you know sitting in front of a of a computer for 5 hours a day and uh you know none of us really liked to do that we did it out of necessity and uh, and so we have to congratulate them as well because they stepped they stepped up to the mound yeah. and they did their work mm-hmm. and uh, and you know what they didn't they didn't complain they just did what they had to do they're they're resilient and they're flexible and it's funny the sense of community the third leg of our our, our uh, of our conversation today the, the 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 family members the moms and dads the aunts the uncles the grandmoms that paid the bill for that Catholic tuition um, they became tutors. Can you imagine? No. All of a sudden, I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't know what I would do. <laughs> you know, they became tutors, for, especially for our younger students. No doubt. Uh, so all of a sudden, they're home. They're not working. They're not occupying the, the role of a teacher, of a tutor, uh, and making sure that their kids were doing their work and stuff like that. So, you know, this affected everybody, right? Teachers, administrators, the students, parents. Uh, but everybody, you know, realized that we're all in this together and that we had to make the best of it. And we did. It's funny because intrinsically, you know, we know that the teachers have a mission. The administrators have a mission. I wonder if the students or parents, well, the parents probably have some sense of it. But talk a little bit about the the the, 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 the energy that comes from um, living your life around something that's bigger than what's on this planet. 
Oh my God, that's a that that ultimately gives meaning to getting out of bed in the morning. Right? Amen. Yeah. Right. That that at the end, um, God put us here for a purpose, and 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 that purpose unfolds over time for each one of us. And that uh, you know, using my own um, Episcopal model, that we have to trust and hope that the things as they evolve uh, will have the hand of God. Amen. And I will close with this. Um, and I know that you sometimes kind of probably roll your eyes when I'm out in the room, but the, 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 the vision that you presented to us on this radio show at the very beginning, trust and hope, trust and hope, yeah. boy, oh boy, just give us a two, a two second reflection rather on, on how that, how that mantra of yours served all of us well through the pandemic. Oh my God, what else are we going to do but trust and hope, right? That, that somehow God would see us through, especially with, you know, with families who lost all across the country, uh, loved ones, that, that even there God would see us through um, consoling us and giving the strength and, and really finding even a vaccine in record time, right? Amen. That now uh, poises us to hopefully, God willing, be uh, at the tail end of this part of our uh, history. Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we roll along. Time now for our inspirational message from Dan Selecki. Occasionally I find myself searching for stories of inspiration. The other day I came across this story and I thought I would share it with you today. It is titled Black Box on the Wall and the author is unknown. When I was a young boy, I remember the polished old case fastened to the wall. The shiny receiver hung on the side of the box. I was too little to reach the telephone, but would listen in amazement when my parents talked to it. Then I discovered that somewhere inside the wonderful device lived an amazing person. Her name was Information Please, and there was nothing she did not know. My personal experience with the genie in the bottle came one day while my mother was visiting a neighbor. Amusing myself at the tool bench in the basement, I whacked my finger with a hammer. The pain was terrible, but there seemed no point in crying because there was no one home to give me any sympathy. Ah, the telephone. Quickly, I ran for the footstool and dragged it to the magical black box on the wall. Climbing up, I unhooked the receiver. I held it to my ear. Information, please. A click or two and a small, clear voice spoke into my ear. Information. I hurt my finger, I wailed into the phone. The tears come readily now enough that I had an audience. Isn't your mother home, came the question. Nobody's home but me, I blubbered. Can you open the ice box, she asked. I said I could. Then chip off a little bit of ice and hold it to your finger, said the voice. After that, I called information please for everything, help with my homework, or even asking what I should feed my pet chipmunk. Then there was the time Petey, our pet canary, died. I called information please and told her the sad story. She listened and then said things grown-ups say to soothe the sad child, but I was not consoled. I asked her, why is it that birds should sing so beautifully and bring joy, only to end up a heap of feathers on the bottom of a cage? She sensed my concern and she said quietly, Wayne, always remember that there are other worlds to sing in. Somehow I felt better. Often in moments of doubt and perplexity, I would recall the serene sense of security I had then. I appreciate now how patient, understanding, and kind she was. 
Years later, I dialed my hometown operator and said, information please. Miraculously, I heard the small, clear voice I knew so well. I hadn't planned this, but I heard myself saying, do you remember my Canary Petey? There was a long pause. Then came the soft-spoken answer. I assume your finger has healed by now. I laughed, so it's really you, I said. I wonder if you have any idea how much you meant to me during that time. I wonder, she said, if you know how much your calls meant to me. I was never blessed with children and I used to look forward to talking to you. I told her how often I had thought of her over the years and asked if I could call her again. Please do, she said, just ask for Sally. Months later, again back in my hometown, a different voice answered, information. I asked for Sally, are you a friend, she said. Yes, a very old friend, I answered. I'm sorry to have to tell you this. Sally had been working part-time the last few years because she was sick. She happened to die a few weeks ago. Before I could hang up, she said, wait a minute, is your name Wayne? Yes, I answered. Well, Sally left a message for you. She wrote it down in case you called. Tell Wayne there are other worlds to sing in. He'll know what I mean. I thanked her and hung up. I knew what Sally meant. So my friends, never underestimate the impression you may make on others. Today's question is simply this, whose life will you touch while walking in the footsteps of your faith? As always, stay safe my friends and may God bless you all. Just a couple moments left in the program today. This is Voices of Faith on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Jimmy? Um. I am so moved by the uh, reflection that we've received today. Uh, um, l- last week, one of our listeners reached out to me and, uh, and shared a, a little f- a parable, fable, of the concept of hard to say. Is something good or bad? It's hard to say. And as the fable goes, you know, a farmer's got a prized horse. The horse runs away. The neighbors say, wow, that's terrible news. The farmer say, says, it's hard to say. The horse comes back, Joe, with five beautiful wild horses. Now this guy's in celebration mode, or at least the neighbors think he should be. They say, great news. He says, hard to say. The farmer's son takes a ride on one of the wild horses. The horse throws the kid off, the, uh, off his back. The kid breaks his leg. Neighbors say, that's bad news. Farmer says, hard to say. Two weeks later, a war breaks out in the community. That son is spared from going to the front lines and possibly losing his life. The neighbors say, that's good news. Farmer says, it's hard to say. The question that you asked Martha and Paul before we, before we took our break, the question of, would you change anything? And I think what Paul and Martha both said using different words, I think what they said was, it's hard to say. Martha, Paul, I'll give you last word. I have about 60 seconds. Well, we're so grateful that you all had us today and we were able to share more about today is a good day and just our family's personal journey with faith and our our story with our children. Uh, If anyone is interested in getting involved with us, we encourage people to reach out. You can find us at todayisagoodday.org. You can find us on social media, but definitely get in touch with us. If you are a NICU parent and want to get involved or looking for ways to give back, we have those opportunities. We have a wonderful network of volunteers and we're just so grateful for the opportunity. We talk a lot about celebrating today, celebrating the moments in life, and today was a really good day.
Paul? One of my uh, favorite Irish toasts is those that bring happiness to the lives of others can't help but bring it on themselves. And I look around this room and that's all I can think. So thank you so much. That's going to do it for this edition of Voices of Faith here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of Martha and on behalf of Paul and, of course, my partner, Jim Brown. I'm Joe Krause. Believe in hope, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Voices of Faith in collaboration with the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley and the Archbishop of Philadelphia. Supported by American Media. 6ABC, Portia of the Mainline, LaSalle High School, and First Trust Bank. First Trust Bank invites you to download today's show from YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Simply search Voices of Faith, a Jacob Media, J.P. Brown Communications production. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.